mic check. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. We tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the random. Yeah, I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rare room. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and welcome to the Screenwriter's Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 100. Don't Don't look at me like that. Don't. People, you know I've been practicing for the last four weeks. And I was ready. And then Hilliard gives me this look like, don't you mess it up. And of course, if you look at me, okay, do that again. Keep, okay. Right, come on. Read family, you know how this goes. Go ahead, do it again. I'm all ready. Right. <laughs> Where we keep it street, uh-huh. we keep it opinionated, what? and we keep it what? 100. Very good. See? <laughs> you didn't give me director eye. I would have been fine with that. See, Steve, I'm trying to direct her. Okay. I'm trying to go like this, like the chorus, and she off. No, I'm ready. Every week. <laughs> That's 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 the that's the good uh, the good technique for a director. Blame the talent. Exactly. He was glaring. There's at a me rhythm before. there. There's a rhythm. You should know this by now. If only the actor had been better. I know. <laughs> oh well. So on the rant room, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting and stories. That's our thing. Um. So you guys heard her voice. That's my girl, Lisa Bolacaja. Yes. AKA. What? We call her, Steve, we call her the street nerdist. And that's Abby, our mascot, who's decided she's going to get in on the show. Mm-hmm. You know your place, girl. Yeah, she doesn't usually make any noise. That's <laughs> I know. Normally she's lounging and looking at us like, mention my name. I, we mentioned your name already, Missy. We mentioned you already. <laughs> and I am your host, Hilliard Guest. And uh, so if you groan, let's get it in. Mm hmm. Now, we have a super, super, super special guest on here for today. Um, my man, Steve Kaplan, the guru. I call him the guru. Yes, he is. See, I got to give him props like that. He is. I got to put him on a pedestal. You no. know, go tell it on the mound. I got to go you down. You know, when I, first right? came, when I first came to L.A., everyone was like, if you ever want to do the right comedy stuff, you got to check this guy out. Uh-huh. So I'm not saying he's Robert McKee because that's a whole different, you know, he's, uh-huh. he's on that level, I'm I think. not as grumpy as Robert. No, no. no. Yeah, you're, you're fun. Mm-hmm. And everyone who's taken his classes and, and done his, it's like, you've got to do Steve Kaplan. Got to do Steve And I'm like, when I do a comedy script, one day, mm-hmm. I just got to write a comedy script, y'all. <laughs> Abby. So, Abby. So we have my man, Steve Kaplan, here. He's got a new book out, y'all. You guys need to look it up right now. Yes, yes, please. called The Hidden Tools of Comedy. The there serious. Is, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Every writer. You know, you, the cool thing, the way that you wrote this book, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll get into okay. it, but... The, one of the things I love about the way you wrote it is it's for everybody. It's not. It's focused on comedy, but it puts layers on drama and mm-hmm. why they work together. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And th- that's something we're going to get into. Um, but we got my man Steve here. So how you doing, Steve? Hey, I'm doing okay. Hey, it's an honor to have it's, you. It's yes, a beautiful it day here in L.A. Yes, Isn't it? Is. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, well, <laughs> we brought Steve down to the hood with us. <laughs> but it's a very nice hood. <laughs> Extremely nice hood. Yes, it's it a is. suburb hood. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I always it's say a, we... It's a should. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Oh, I got to write that down. Yeah, write that it's down. It's a should. We are still um, in that. Yeah, we are what we call like Hancock, ad- uh, Hancock, Hancock Park adjacent. Adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> Where you live? <laughs> Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> so oh let's talk to you right quick, um, okay. Steve. Let's get into a little bit about 
I, I'm one of those people, um, like I said, we've had lots of people on. Um, I don't usually sit and go through your bio. And mainly it's because... Don't, because I'm fucking, really, really old. I hate that. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Okay. I want you to talk about who you are and how okay. you became what you became. And we didn't discuss this before we started, but one of the things that Lisa and I are into is <clears throat> I'm into the how. I want to know how you did this and how you did that. A lot of people are like, and then I got an agent, then I moved to LA, and then I sold the script, and mm-hmm. then I wrote a book. I'm like, no, motherfucker, what did you do? We need steps. <laughs> exactly. We need steps. <clears throat> so let's go into, you know, where you're from, you know, how you okay. grew up. Okay, I'm, I'm, like I'm a New Yorker. Uh, I grew up uh, born, bred, was there for uh, uh, 40-odd years, okay. um, or, or maybe a little less. Uh, when, when I was a, a kid, uh, I... I always had a fascination with comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, while other kids were, uh, you know, listening to the Beatles, I was listening to Alan Sherman and Tom Lira. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I memorized. Okay, I, I memorized all the songs. <clears throat> uh, memorized all the Monty Python routines. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, when we got out of college, uh, a couple of friends wanted to start a theater company. A couple of actor friends, um, Mitch McGuire and Faith Catlin, mm-hmm. and uh, they came to me because I was. A, a very starting up director, theater director. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I, I was very firm that uh, I didn't want to do another self-serious theater in New York because mm-hmm. if I saw another play <laughs> with actors wearing black turtlenecks. With, <laughs> with, it was with, the beatnik layer, yeah. wasn't no, it? That was the theater look. I remember when I started doing like theater in high school, uh-huh. like that was the dream to wear a turtleneck. And black I had turtleneck. A, yes. And, and the characters were named he or she or man with a big pain in his uh-huh. head. And, uh-huh. and I just hated those, those plays. And I would sit in the back of the theater, you know, making snarky comments. Mm-hmm. And since I usually went alone, the people sitting next to me were really <laughs> so. So when I, I had a theater, uh, an opportunity to start a theater, I wanted to start a theater that was completely devoted to comedy. That was, I thought that was a good niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this was before Christopher Durang came around, uh, Wendy Wasserstein. So it was, you know, again, it, it was kind of on the crest of the wave of serious theater as comedy or okay. comedy as serious theater. So we started this place called Manhattan Punchline. Mm-hmm. A lot of great people came out of it. Um, uh, David Crane, who did Friends. Michael mm-hmm. Patrick King, who did uh, Sex in the City. He goes to my gym. Mm-hmm. And, and he <laughs> goes a really to your nice gym. Guy, really nice guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I started it, in the arrogance of youth, mm-hmm. I thought I knew everything that there was to know about comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and after doing it for a couple of years, I thought to myself, okay, I don't know I don't know everything that's funny, mm-hmm. but, but I know what's not funny, goddammit. Sure, sure. mm-hmm. But after doing it for a little bit longer, I thought to myself, how the fuck does this stuff work? Right. Mm-hmm. Why is something funny on a Thursday no longer funny on a Sunday? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is brilliant. What is going that on? Is right. Why is a script sometimes the funniest the first time you get around to read it? Mm-hmm. You know, the actors haven't taken a look at it. They're reading it. Everybody's laughing. And as you start to work on it and rehearse it, it gets less and less mm-hmm. and less funny. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. So I started doing um, experiments with actors. I, w- I was mm-hmm. teaching an improv class at the time. And I started to experiment with, with new kinds of improv games or techniques to try to get at what is going on. Why, why is something funny one day and not funny another day? And mm-hmm. so we came up, after, after a, a bunch of time, uh, we came up with 
what was a 40-week master class in comic. 40 weeks. 40 oh week, uh, you know, once that's, a week that's for a three degree. hours a week. <laughs> uh, well, that's New York. Because, oh, my yeah, God. New York, <clears throat> New York is, uh, you know, it's, it's brutal, it's mm-hmm. cold, it's too hot, it smells. Nobody wants to go out, so mm-hmm. everybody wants to go to class because at least, oh, you know, okay. then you have somebody to go to coffee with. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> but then when I came out here to L.A., um, you know, given the distractions mm-hmm. and attention span of people mm-hmm. in L.A., we, we squoze the 40 weeks into a weekend. Okay. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> to one weekend. <laughs> like to one weekend. A lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you talked about Robert McKee earlier before mm-hmm. we started. It was funny. Uh, the guy who was producing the Robert McKee uh, seminars came to me. You know, how does this happen? Uh, you know, it happens because you, you zig when you should have zagged. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had come out to, uh, I'd run the theater for 13 years, which is more time than most convicted murderers get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a not-for-profit theater. We didn't know wow. it was going to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way it turned out. We're not making no money? Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it was, we were always broke. It was always broke. So mm-hmm. when I came out to L.A., I thought, okay, I'm going to try to get a real job. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went into uh, a guy's office who I knew and who was working at HBO and out of that, we started this project called the HBO New Writers Project. Mm-hmm. And we ran that for two years, and they got Will Sheffer, who developed. Well, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you, because there's a transition there somewhere between working with actors and working with writers. Right. Was so, this was this the moment? No. Or was it what the that? moment was? So so I did the thing for HBO, and then after two years, they said, you know, we don't have to spend all this money to find new writers they come knocking on our door sure. so then we started so then they said well how about doing this so we started uh because of my background in theater mm-hmm. uh me and these other two uh, managers started a um a performance venue called mm-hmm. the hbo workspace it's now the okay. comedy central space mm-hmm. and it was the first time something had been done like that uh sponsored by a network or studio mm-hmm. and we presented lots of great people like uh you know odin uh bob odenkirk and and um uh, you know, tenacious D, uh, and, oh God, that, tenacious they, D. and oh. we ran that for a couple of years. And, uh, and along that time, uh, I made the terrible decision, terrible decision to partner up with these two people who started the, uh, HBO workspace with, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they were managers and I was going to be a talent manager cause I, I thought I knew how to spot talented mm-hmm. writers and actors well, coming from theater. You should, you should have yeah. had the eye, yeah. but, but what I didn't realize mm-hmm. is that I am a total wuss. <laughs> and uh, and you know, does this, does this go back it. to explain, wait, 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 wait. Explain does your... this go back to when you were a kid and you used to get punked around? This is, this is... This is... well, that's that's how that's how I got to be funny because people used to chase me home from school and and I learned how to be run really fast, but also learned how to be funny. That's right? hilarious. But I, I, I realized that I didn't have the emotional makeup to be a manager. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at lying. Oh, um, there okay. it is, people. You, you know, when yes. your manager says, "I made that phone call." The truth is, he didn't. <laughs> or, 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 or at I least, made the call. I made or, the call. Or, or at least I didn't. Right. And I, I would, I would, uh, you know, make one phone call, and a guy would get on the phone and say, "No, I don't. No, we're not going to hire him. He's no good." And that would be it for the for the uh, day. Oh, they hate me. They hate my. <laughs> I was the I was the depressive talent manager. So, so out of that, so I'm that's ca- a movie right there. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so I'm kind of searching around for for what to do. Okay, I I don't want to run another theater company mm-hmm. because my wife will kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, uh, I don't want to be a talent manager because I'm no good at it. Uh, and also, being a talent manager is terrible. I mean, uh, you're, you're an actor, I know, as well as a writer. No, not anymore. I, not, that was not, years ago. Okay, yeah, years yeah. ago. Are, are you a performer? No. Okay. So, being a talent manager is like having, a, having 20 girlfriends, mm -hmm. and they break up with you every week. <laughs> I cannot... What I, a great I, way I, to visualize that. that. I cannot tell you how many times somebody started a conversation with... You know, I like you, Steve. <laughs> it's, but, not, it's, it's not, not personal. Yes. It's not you. It's me. It's yeah. not you. It's me. It's me. It's me who wants a bigger, better career than you can give me. And, and uh, so, so it seemed like a terrible, terrible business to be in. Especially, now, how long did you dabble in that then? I, I did that for about four, four years, oh, four wow. or five years. Okay. And, yeah. And I, and I was kind of. I was kind of meandering along, bumbling along mm -hmm. until my biggest client, mm -hmm. um, who was a friend at the time. Mm -hmm. At the at time. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is Quotes. one of them. <laughs> Book, booked a pilot. Mm -hmm. I thought, great. Pilot went to series. She was a regular. Mm -hmm. I went great. Mm -hmm. And then I got the phone call. Mm -hmm. Steve, you know I like you. <laughs> and, and I said, no, you're kidding. Okay. But yeah, you know, I'll be an adult, right, okay? Right. You, you you went to you went to series, okay? So we'll commission you for the series. And she she said, "Why? I paid you for the pilot." Ooh. And I said, "Yeah, but but you booked it, and our contract." Oh well, I'm gonna have to talk to my lawyer. So lawyers yeah. got involved, uh, and at at some point early on in the negotiations, as she's trying to. Screw me out of this money <laughs> that I desperately needed because, you know, I, mm -hmm. I wasn't making it really as sure, a talent manager. Mm -hmm. um, she said, but we can still be friends. I can still call you up and ask you your opinion. <laughs> and I said something that $4, was... $4,000 an hour, you can. Yeah, I, I said something that might have been something on the, on the you know, kind of close to fuck off. <laughs> and, uh, That's very New York. Right? And, there and, is. Uh, and uh, so, so we stopped being friends and, and I stopped, I stopped being a manager because it, it made no sense. It was like owning a candy store in which the candy had legs and you could just walk out the door. And there goes my Hershey bar. So, so, were you just managing actors at the time? Or you actors and writers. Okay. Uh, we placed some writing, you know, we, we, op we had some movies option, placed mm -hmm. some writers on, on staff, but it was a grueling business mm -hmm. being, being uh, a uh, somebody who is just working with emerging talent, <laughs> as soon as the talent sure. emerged, they went somewhere else. Sure. So at that time, this guy who would work for Robert McKee came mm. over and said, uh, "You know, I think you could do for comedy what Robert McKee does for story." And I said, "I said really?" He said, "Yeah." Did you ever think of working with writers? And I went, "Hmm, sounds like a great idea." And so out of that came what this came this two day workshop because mm -hmm. I don't think I could get writers in a room for forty weeks. Mm -hmm. no. um, not in no LA. Not in Los Angeles. And. And so, you know, we started, uh, it was, we did it small at first and, you know, just uh, rented a space at the, uh, the Odyssey uh, on Olympic. Mm -hmm. And then we went to New York and then we went to, to London. And then all of a sudden I'm going all over the country, all over wow. the world. I'm going to uh, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going back to Singapore this, uh, this July. And, uh, and then out of that came the book, which is uh, The Hidden Tools of Comedy. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I came into, it was in the early, mid-2000s, I think it was. I think the first time I saw you at Screenwriters Expo. Oh, right. I walked into one of his classes, 
There and sat in, and it was the first time I ever heard like the listing, like the lists. You know, when you list the, the listing threes or whatever, right? The hidden tools. Yeah, like, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, but the way you did—I mean, everybody was just laughing like the entire time, mm-hmm. the entire time he was talking. But he would give an example. He'd show an example of a movie and explain it or whatever. <clears throat> it was one of the first time I'd seen it done with hip humor, if that makes any sense. Usually everybody for me, like Lisa and I talk about it a lot. A lot of people who teach screenwriting are very corny to me. Very, well, the theory of it is, blah, blah, blah. It's all like, mm-hmm. you know, comparing everything to old movies. Every, and you would like bring something new and be like, well, you know, that new movie, blah, 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 blah. You know, like you were really on your shit to me. Right. And, 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 and when I sat in that class, I was like, okay, I got to. I mean, I, I'm one of those people I was telling Lisa before. I kind of memorize things, and maybe it came from being an actor for so long, but I could sit in the class and just take in everything and walk out and remember it and write it down later. <clears throat> but when I sat in your class, I sat there, like, writing shit down, <laughs> which is weird Scribbling. for me. yes. Yeah, but there was, like, I remember just sitting there writing things down, going, like, this motherfucker is on to some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is on a whole nother level. Go right, ahead, about some right. No, I, I, well, one of the things I like about the book, especially the, the subtitle, even though the book's called The Hidden Tools of Comedy, the subtitle is The Serious Business mm-hmm. of Being Funny. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you talk about in the book, and that I remember from the Screenwriting Expo, too, is the idea of that there's these, these myths about whether or not you can teach someone to write funny or be funny, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, and I think with Steve, is the first time I heard somebody say it. Yeah, it's a craft that yeah. you can cultivate, mm-hmm. and you can get better at it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most people are like, oh, you're born with it. Just people are just naturally funny. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, I think I was volunteering <laughs> at the Screenwriting Expo and wasn't able to, like, listen all the way, but, like, getting people's notes and stuff. And it was the first time I think I'd actually heard someone say that. Like, yeah, it is a craft. Well, the, well, the first thing we do is we talk about there's a difference between funny and comic. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of people, and not just people who are beginning, uh, seasoned veterans, mistake comedy for what's funny for for what for what's making people laugh and that's why you know like on a sitcom if a if a guest star or a day player has a funny line on monday by wednesday that funny line has been taken away oh, yeah. because mm-hmm. somebody thinks the person who says the funny thing makes the comedy and mm-hmm. and it's not fun yeah you know, funny is subjective mm-hmm. but comedy is is an aesthetic like like anything else like you know like greek tragedy it's an aesthetic it, mm-hmm. it follows certain principles and what what i tried to do rather than duplicate all the all the books in which they say here's how you write a joke and you know there are plenty of people who know how to write jokes um that's not the problem the problem is how do you write story and characters mm-hmm. and keep it funny mm-hmm. so what we try to do is we try to focus on what are the principles what are the What's the paradigm that that defines a comedy as opposed to anything else? Mm-hmm. And so we came up with what we called, you know, what we thought of as like the comic equation. You know, uh, I, I don't want to use paradigm because Robert McKee uses that word, and mm-hmm. I think he's got it copyrighted. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it, Robert McKee's going to hear this and he's going to call me up and yell at me. <laughs> Robert just likes to yell at people. <laughs> Who's got that phone call? <laughs> Throw that person out. Um, you know, it's uh, comedy's about an ordinary guy. Uh, Jack Gleason used to call him a moke. An ordinary guy or gal mm-hmm. struggling against insurmountable odds without many re- of the required skills and tools with which to win, yet never giving up hope. Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and from that paradigm you can draw what we 
what we found were usable practical tools. And, and these tools, again, came around out of countless hours of producing and directing and rehearsing theater because mm -hmm. I would have an idea and then I would I would have the greatest laboratory in the world, which was not-for-profit, you know, off-Broadway theater in New mm -hmm. York. I would try something out and if it didn't work, I'd go, hmm, mm -hmm. why, why, what's wrong there? Why didn't that work? And if it did work, I would try to replicate it again okay. and again. So okay. in, in a way, it was, it was kind of scientific. Mm -hmm. um, but in another way, it was a lot of trial and error okay. because that's how most comedians, most comic writers have taught themselves through t trial and error. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of my stand-up friends who have come to L.A. to become famous sitcom writers and screenwriters, uh, you know, they, uh, they would, as stand-ups, they would go over their set like Talmudic scholars, mm -hmm. you know, every mm -hmm. syllable, every, every, per, you know, cadence, comma, right. you know, and they would, they would work it to death. So when they started, they were terrible. Mm -hmm. Most of them, they, you know, most, most standups, have you ever done stand up? I don't know, but I know a mo lot. Mo most standups, they have that one first grade show mm -hmm. because all their friends are there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, look, a dog in a dress. And you know, it's just so unusual to see your sure. friend standing up and doing some, some jokes. Mm -hmm. But then, that that memory of having done well at first carries them through years of bombing. Sure. But after years of bombing, they somehow learn how to do it. So I knew that you can teach it because most comics started out as bad comics and taught themselves how to how to do comedy well. Mm -hmm. So so it's not like you're either born with it or you're not. No baby has ever come out of the fallopian tube and gone, boy, <laughs> funny thing happened to me on the way through the vagina. <laughs> I don't know. I think Jim Carrey swears that he did. I don't know. No, not even Jim Carrey. That's hilarious. That's oh hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. I mean, there's, there's so many things in the book that we could talk about. Um, are, are there things that you find in the book that, that come up more than any other topics, if you will? Uh, well, most people most people ask uh, what my favorite movie is. Okay. Um, that's uh, that's uh, one of the later chapters. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I don't have a favorite movie. It's like asking you know which one is your you know your favorite kid. Sure. Uh, but you could ask me what my favorite Steve Martin movie is. Um, you know, tie between Roxanne and, and uh, Bowfinger. <laughs> oh uh, my what, God, Bowfinger! What I was in Bowfinger. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I you were brilliant. <laughs> you were brilliant. No, I never shot my fucking scene, little bastards. You would have been brilliant. You would have been brilliant. Um, you know, uh, but for me, the the film that I talk about, uh, my Casablanca. You know, Robert McKee famously mm -hmm. to spends a whole day dissecting Casablanca. My Casablanca, the film that I use in, in, in the workshop a lot um, is a Groundhog Day. Because okay. I think that Groundhog Day is, it might not be the funniest film ever made, but mm -hmm. it is the perfect combination of heart, head, and theme. Sure. Heart, head, and soul. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's a comedy that's thinking about something, that feels something, um, that, that has true relations. And, it, and in, it embodies a lot of what I believe makes great comedy, which is put less than ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances and just see what happens then. Hmm. It's got okay. a great comic premise. It's, simple. Right. it's very simple. Yeah. 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 And, and one of the things that, that's good about Groundhog Day and, and other great comedies of that ilk, like, like Big, um, is, that, is that 
once they come up with what we call the lie that tells the truth, mm -hmm. the comic premise, after that, there are no other lies. There's no other false contrivances that they threw in just to, wouldn't it be funny if? Mm -hmm. Because if you saw the, the, the little segment that I did at the Screenwriters Expo, mm -hmm. I, I usually show not only good clips, because you know, want to see what works. The bad ones. <laughs> I, show, I yes. show clips that don't work. Yes, yes because, I totally remember Because that. <laughs> if you have tools, mm -hmm. uh, if, if a chair is broken, you should be able to fix the chair with tools. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my feeling, that I, could, I should be able to show you a, a, a segment or a scene that doesn't work and explain where it went wrong mm -hmm. and how to make it work. So. I know there's one segment you talked about uh, where you did compare <clears throat> 17 again and Big. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in there big. where it talks about um, the whole, the, the, what you call the, I guess the, the revelation scene when they figure out, oh, I have changed bodies, this is totally different. Mm -hmm. And you talked about that. And I remember thinking like, oh shit, yeah, I did like that scene better in Big than mm -hmm. I did in that one because in Big it seemed more organic and real and authentic. And they weren't going for a joke. They exactly. Were, I mean, in fact, they, the moment is is lyrical. It's almost beautiful. Mm -hmm. He, you know, Tom Hanks is is now Tom Hanks, and he goes in the bathroom. He doesn't realize he's grown into a thirty year old man, and he freaks himself out. And then he kind of sidles, sneaks up yeah. on the mirror again, <laughs> and just looks at it. And it's kind of a beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. And and what's what's important about that moment, what's important about learning about that in terms of comedy is that you need that reality mm -hmm. to kind of put credits in your goodwill bank for all the silly stuff that's going to happen. The more I believe in the characters, the more I'm going to go with them when something silly happens. Like mm -hmm. when in there's something about Mary, Ben Stiller, you know, masturbates mm -hmm. and, and gets on his ear. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's if that's you know, ridiculous and gross, and it could probably never happen, but since Hilliard's <laughs> you know, going, well, well, wait a second. Let's not, be, wait, so, it was at one time. Let's not be so hasty. <laughs> but, but earlier in the movie, uh, you know, even though Ben Stiller is kind of ridiculous and he's got that, those terrible braces, mm -hmm. he's still sweet and innocent mm -hmm. and real. And so you Very just, likable. You right. just yeah. believe in him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, <clears throat> likable, that's, that's a thing that people ask me about. Do you have to make your characters likable? Mm -hmm. And, and that's a, a problem with a lot of, um, notes that studios give you make the character more likable, but likable isn't really mm -hmm. the, the problem. Okay. Uh, relatable is the problem. Right. You can have a character that you don't like, right. but you can relate to. I, I, boy, that guy's just like that nerdy guy I, I was in high school with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if it's likable, then maybe you make him less objectionable, less irritating. But mm -hmm. likable is not the point. Relatable. I Do like I that. recognize this person? Right. Is this person real? Is this person like somebody I, I, I encountered in my own life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that moment when I was watching Bridesmaids, where mm -hmm. Christine Wiig in the very Christine Wiig <clears throat> in the very beginning, where they're doing the the, the kind of toast, talking about oh our friendship. This is the very beginning mm -hmm. of the movie, mm -hmm. and this is where you're really starting to learn whether or not you're you're going to relate to this character at all. 
and it's when they're doing the little tributes to their friend, and mm. they keep trying to one up. Mm. And there's this moment I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling like this <laughs> pit in my stomach, like I just want to grab her hand and pull her, like don't get up on the mic. And that's when I realized they got me mm. because one, I can totally relate to that feeling she's feeling. Yes. At the same time, I'm embarrassed for mm. her. And I'm embarrassed because I like her and I want to save her from further embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And it really makes her relatable. And mm -hmm. I think that was a really exceptional scene because mm -hmm. once I saw that and it just got worse and worse, like, wait, there's one more thing I want to say. And that was early and, on. And it was very, yes. very early. And after mm -hmm. that, I'm like, you know what? This chick, <laughs> Christine Wig, you are a bad bride. Mm -hmm. Like, I am with you in the story and mm -hmm. we going to go. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I can totally like relate to everything her character was and sure, the people sure. she hung out with, but... In that moment, I just got more embarrassed, like, oh, Lord, someone just pulled, oh, my Lord, if I were there, I would just pull her aside, like, thank you, everybody, we're going to go have tea now, and, and they got me, because I related, mm -hmm. I felt that pain, and I was emotionally invested in that character. For, for me, for me, it was later on in that scene, it was when they're giving the, the wedding gifts, mm -hmm. and uh, and that, you know, the, the character that you're talking about one ups Christine Wig just one time mm. too many, mm -hmm. and her reaction was so true because it was my reaction. Mm. I, I think she, I think I think she's going to give her like a book of of French posters or something, mm -hmm. and the other friend, the rich friend, gives her a trip to Paris. To Paris, <laughs> and and at that moment, oh, at that moment, anything could have happened. Mm -hmm. But but what Christine Wig's reaction was. Motherfucker! <laughs> you and and the reason it worked so well, it was because it was so honest. It was so visceral, and it was like, God yeah. damn it, I hate this woman. Like I have, like, and you know, because she's struggling financially. You're like, this is her friend, and there's always that person who life who just does that little extra and. Like I'm, I'm surprised if she didn't slug her and just, just I'm gonna kill her. You know what? She, I'm gonna end her tonight. <laughs> you know that's that's the end of this movie. For, for me, for me, the 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 takeaway is the fact that that if you if you realize these characters are human beings mm -hmm. and you're a human being, that you've got to personalize it. As a writer, you ha now of course Kristen Wiig was writing for herself right. as well right. um, with her writing partner, but you've got to personalize. What would you do? When I when I do script consultations, the thing that I I, I I share with writers more often than not was we'll get to a point where I think the char they have the character doing something that I don't buy, mm. and I'll go, "What would you do? What, would you do that at mm. that moment?" And mm. nine times out of ten, the writer will say, "No, I would have done that." Well, why don't you have the character do that? That's better. Mm. Me, Honest and truthful is better than quote air quotes interesting. Right. Let me or ask you funny. a question right. in, in in regard to the relatable, likable thing because <clears throat> I know when 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 Save the Cat came out, everybody thought, oh, all you have to do is have the hero, you know, save a cat or do something really simple to make him likable. Mm -hmm. Do you think how do you take that a step forward? Uh I you know, I, I, I love theory? yeah, I I love that book and I love the great the late great Blake Snyder. Mm -hmm. Um for me what I got from that was that you need to make sure that the character has a moment of humanity mm -hmm. that you can relate to. For me, in, um, in, in There's Something About Mary, uh, pretty early on in the film, during one of the flashbacks when we're first seeing how he met Mary, mm -hmm. and he, he's going to pick Mary up at the prom. And he goes mm -hmm. to the door, and the dad, who, mm -hmm. is, you know, who is not white, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you're expecting this, you know, mm -hmm. Mary's, you know, Cameron Diaz, this white, you know, blonde <laughs> girl, you're expecting this, you know, kind of father knows best right, guy. Right. And, and all of a sudden, um, 
you know, uh, this uh, this urban guy, very you know, kind of street guy, comes mm-hmm. out, and uh, he says, "Mary already left to the prom with Woogie," <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the camera was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Woogie. Woogie. And and the, the the camera, you know, kind of there's a close up on on Ben Stiller, and you just see his disappointment, his hurt, mm. and obviously he's a nerd, so it's happened before. Mm-hmm. He kind of takes it, and he kind of goes, okay, mm. and Aww. he's about to go away Aww. before yeah. the mom comes in and says, oh, you know, that's the dad. He's just uh-huh. pulling your leg. <laughs> And, and for me, that's you know that's the moment in which I love the guy because that guy was me. Mm-hmm. I, I related to him, mm-hmm. you know, not, not make him likable, but I related to him. I said, "That's me. Mm-hmm. That's that's my truth." And you felt for him, especially when you realized by his reaction, like, "Yeah, this has happened before. Mm-hmm. He's used to this, and he's just that type that's just gonna." And that's when you think, all right, how is his life going to change? How is he going to go from that, okay, I guess I'll leave now, to, mm-hmm. oh, hey, you know, and I love those those moments. And that's that comes from really good writing. That's, that's writing. actually a really good yeah. example of, now I can see the difference between likable and relatable. I mean, right. It's so now, now, you know, I, I do have to give a caveat, which, sure. is, um, which is the fact that I can also point to an example of a movie in which I didn't like any of the characters, but they still were pretty funny, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Hangover. Okay. Not just mm-hmm. Hangover two and three, but mm-hmm. the first Hangover. Mm-hmm. I hated Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. I, I, I th- you know, the character of Bradley Cooper. I, I thought, why is he messing everybody's life up mm-hmm. like this? Um, I wasn't, you know, I guess I was supposed to like Ed Helms. I wasn't really crazy, you know, Zach Galifianakis. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, why is he being so crazy? Um, and I guess my point is that. Uh, it's it's not a formula. There is no formula. It's an art. Okay. So you can you can show. I can give you principles, and then you can show me. Wait a second, Steve. This this stuff is fucking funny. Mm-hmm. I wrote something that's fucking funny. It works. Mm-hmm. And you know. And what I tell writers is, if it's working, don't second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing I want writers to do is you're writing something, it's just golden, it's flowing out mm-hmm. of you. You're, you know, people are looking at you in the Starbucks going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> they are just and cackling in the corner. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the last thing I would want you to do is stop, mm-hmm. pull yourself short and go, wait a second, what would Steve Kaplan say? Or, <laughs> or John Truby or Robert uh, McKee? And, you know, put your stuff through like the, uh, the script analysis, you know, meat grinder. Right, right. The point is, is that what hopefully what what good screen consultants what I try to provide are tools because when something's broken you know it's not working sure, sure, sure. that's when you can go and say well what can I do here what what's not working here how is this table leg mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. what can I do to to fix it mm-hmm. as opposed to here's how I have to start here's what my page 10 should look like um I, I went to Australia with um uh, Michael Haig, who's another great another screen guru. consultant, yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, we were we were doing a double act. Uh, we were doing a tour of the art of romantic comedy, okay. and he would do your the favorite fir- subject. Right? He would do he would do the first day and uh, tell, talk about all the things that make romantic comedies work, and I would do the second day and say, well, here's how you make them funny, and then we would get together on stage and talk about uh, things that we agree with and disagree with, and one of the things I love to point out is he has a certain methodology or structure that mm-hmm. he thinks all good films have mm-hmm. and then I say well what about Groundhog Day hmm. 
Well, I don't talk about Groundhog Day because it doesn't fit the structure. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, so, you know, so the, the point is, is that, is that if, uh, if Harold Ramis was following some rule book, he mm. might not have made the very first act, that first day before anything happens, 25 minutes long. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sid Field says, it's got to happen by page 10. Mm-hmm. No. You know, so it, it, the stories... You tell the stories the way the stories want to be told. Right. Um, and, and there are no hard and fast rules other than what Hollywood or Los Angeles says must be hard and fast rules. I was working with, uh, with a writer who's, who's, who's on a late night show and he was working on a pilot. Mm-hmm. And his pilot, it was a great premise. I'm not going to share the premise uh, over the air, but it was a great premise. But he was trying to figure out how can I write this premise without making it a pilot premise. You know, in other words, oh, yeah. a prem- I mean, a premise pilot. Premise pilot mm-hmm. yeah. uh, how can I start in episode four? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't see how you can. Mm-hmm. How do you get these people in this situation? You can't just say, well, good morning, uh, guy who lives here who shouldn't be living here. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if there's a fish out of water. Isn't that yeah, sure? Well, <laughs> it's, it's just an odd, it's, uh, it's an odd, combination of characters and situations so i said sometimes you've got to figure out how to do the premise pilot in the first seven pages okay you know mm-hmm. and and then we we pointed to a good wife which is not a comedy but mm-hmm. had you know set up her whole world you know before yeah, the you know, yeah, during yeah, the cold yeah. open mm-hmm. so that you started but you already knew everything you needed to know how mm-hmm. did she end up in this in this law firm mm-hmm. uh, but you couldn't have done it without giving us the start. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, everybody says, oh, you can't write a premise pilot. Nobody wants to see a premise pilot. That's a mistake. But sometimes you have to because that's what, that's what the story demands. Sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's what story well, and characters demand. Let me ask you a question. Lisa and I were talking earlier. <clears throat> I'm, I'm writing on this, this, this show right now. And, um, what show is that? Um, we're, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. Um, but it's right. a great show. Yeah, yeah, it's And cool, it's, it's on cool. a great network. <laughs> yeah, all that. But we can talk about it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's on <laughs> Network. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but I was just telling her about, um, we have a conference call with the, I can tell you this, we have a conference call with the producers tomorrow to talk about the outline that I just turned in. <clears throat> Which and was brilliant, by the way. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> Shakespeare called me. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's he's like, been dead man. a long time. Billiard. <laughs> 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 Do you have any ideas for Romeo and Juliet? I don't think I quite got this. But, but right. they sent me an email today talking about, wow, it's so visual. Now, initially, it was going to be more comedy right. based. Now, we're going more towards Showtime, and um, which is more me. Right. Right. Um, which I'm happy about. And she was like, wow, this is like so visual and blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, well, shouldn't it be? But she made a comment that it's not, it doesn't have the comedy in it that she thought. And I was like, well, we, we're not going that way anymore, right? However, when I was talking to Lisa before you got here, I was like, let me talk to Steve about ways that writers can add comedy in something that's more dramatic. Right. You know, maybe we could talk in an outline form or, or right. a treatment well, form. Well, I mean, just in general, um, there's a really great quote from Neil Gaiman, who writes, you know, all these, you know, kind of uh, comic books, and, and uh, he wrote this novel, American Gods. Uh, Neil Gaiman uh, said that 95% of all notes you get uh, are correct, but 95% of all the solutions they give you are incorrect. <laughs> 
Yes. That yes. is brilliant. So, yes. so, wow. so but Neil's, <laughs> Neil's point is that if somebody doesn't like something, mm -hmm. something's happening there. Rather than justifying it or, or saying, well, that person's an idiot or, mm -hmm. you know, I hate getting notes from idiots. You know, you have to, you have to say something in this did not work for them. And it stopped that, them. It took them out the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, then it's not. up to you to figure out what is it. You can certainly get hear what they thought it was. But then you have to figure out how do I fix it mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, well, if you only put a, you know, albino midget right. in there, you know, having you other got... people rewrite the story. Exactly. <laughs> but, but the fact that somebody didn't go with it or didn't get it or took them out of it, that's real. That's, mm -hmm. you can sure. go to the bank on that. Now, right. in terms of how do you add comedy to a dramatic situation? Character, okay. mm. character, who the characters are and how they see the world. If your characters are, perfect, you know, they're skilled, they're like guys on soaps, um, then no matter what the situation is, it's going to be a dramatic situation because their take on it is going to be dramatic. But if you put, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, Ben Stiller or, or uh, Patton Oswalt, who I see in everything now, mm -hmm. in a situation, all of a sudden it becomes comic uh -huh. because of his demeanor, his, his look, how he sees the world. I was I was just um, uh, I'm a comic book geek, so I was just binge watching the last 18 episodes <laughs> of of Marvel Agents of Shield. Yes, and and Patton Oswalt is he was he was in Justified. I loved him in Justified. Oh. I loved him in um, in uh, Agents of Shield. And basically, even though he, it's a dramatic situation, there's a bad guy around killing people. Um, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Patton might get killed, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but he, but he, his whole his whole uh, contribution to the scene adds a comic levity to the scene. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's character, mm -hmm. it's character. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when when people get around for you know Thanksgiving or, or Christmas dinner, and you're talking about your in laws, mm -hmm. you know how you're all laughing because oh, yeah. your in laws are crazy. Mm -hmm. So I mean, just put your uncle, your crazy uncle and aunt, you know, the uncle that drinks a little bit too mm -hmm. much, put them anywhere, and it's going to be a comic right. situation. Right. Whereas if you put, you know, um, uh, some serious actor, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins in the same situation, it might not be that funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would, rather than trying to add jokes, I would make, I would try to make sure that there's a character whose point of view, whose perspective is slightly skewed and who will express that slightly skewed perspective. And I think that's some of the mistakes that some people read when I read scripts that are supposed to be comedy and, and I hate giving these notes to people sometimes like yeah I thought a comedy is supposed to be funny <laughs> um, just you might want to research that but a lot of times people mistake like just, just throwing some jokes that's what makes it funny mm -hmm. you know and it really is the characters like we talked about earlier yeah. that whole scene from Bridesmaids mm -hmm. you know they could just throw in some jokes like oh this happened but the fact that it was the character that made it funnier. Because mm -hmm. she didn't tell any jokes in that scene. Mm -hmm. It was just, she was just in a normal situation. Mm -hmm. And it just got funnier and funnier and funnier because of character. Right. And, okay. and if you want jokes, I mean, there's plenty of jokes in Grown Ups 2. Mm -hmm. okay. But are we going to be watching Grown Ups 2 in 10 years? Only, <laughs> only, only if we're being I tortured, I guess. <laughs> He said it, not me, hey, but hey, I co-signed. I, didn't, I, didn't, I co mean that, didn't mean that all you famous people who are in grown-ups too. Oh, I did. I'll, I'll take the blame for that. Like, yeah, good for you, but no more. 
But yeah. we, we were, you know, in, uh, you asked me before about, um, you know, uh, I did a, I did a, cu a couple of uh, videos for Film Courage in mm -hmm. which I talked about why romantic comedies suck. Uh, uh, yeah. And you, uh, so, uh, and we were talking about romantic comedies in terms of, uh, you know, Groundhog Day is a great romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. the, the problem with most romantic comedies, why most romantic comedies suck, is <laughs> they made the mistake that these two people who we see in the beginning of the movie, we know they're going to get together. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to, they're going to get naked and nasty. So, <laughs> so if, if they do that right away, then it's either a short or it's a porno. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you make it into a 90 minute to two hour movie? Well, you add obstacles and the sure. funnier the obstacles, the better. Mm -hmm. And that's so incorrect because the problem in most relationships isn't, how do you get two people together? It's how do you stay together? Mm. What, you know, what, what are the real dynamics of trying to keep a relationship? Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's, more than anything else, I think that's, that's what ruins bad romantic comedies because you have people uh, doing stupid stuff, stupid stuff happening to them, as opposed to just dealing with what's what's really there who are these two people and and how are they different and and, and how could they possibly exist in the same room for 30 years mm -hmm. uh, the the best romantic comedy i saw in the last month that was going to be my Louis. question <laughs> yeah, recently, what, yeah. recently what was it? the last two episodes of louis oh <laughs> love louis the the, love the, the pamela louis. episodes mm. she is such can i can i say the word it's a C word. Can I say the bad C word? You can say it on my show. Okay. She's such a cunt. You can say it on wow. my show. I mean, uh, I don't mean or, to or, 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 I'm, I'm going to put a Sedella over that, so it's a sunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a C with a Sedella. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and yet, he likes her, and she kind of likes him, even mm -hmm. though she's, she's really... You know, she's, yeah, she's very... She's a piece yeah, of work. Very, she is a piece yeah. of work. <laughs> but they... It, it was so wonderful how mm. he wooed her and how he how he how he worked hard on keeping his temper because she's so crazy yes. she's like one of those crazy women that you mm. date and then you say boy got away <laughs> alive, <laughs> got away alive. <laughs> uh, so i would say that that you know in terms of romantic comedy that's one of the best romantic comedies i've seen that's in the that's last interesting you call that a romantic comedy i wasn't sure because he has moments my favorite episode is the second episode of the first season where, I mean, I'm a gay dude, right? He did that whole scene where they're all sitting around playing cards and they're talking about one of the guys is gay. And they're all like, you know, kind of uh -huh. medium or famous comedians uh -huh. or whatever. <clears throat> and they were like giving him a hard time about, dude, you guys like suck dick and both. And he's like, why do you guys always ask me this every fucking day? Every time <laughs> we play, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, you guys really want to know? And he gives them this whole thing on what the word faggot means. And by the end of it, each and every one of them are like, even, even Louis is almost in tears when he's thinking about the reality of the shit that he says. He's so good at giving you, I mean, they were just like, Laughing, and then like three minutes later, everybody is like this, and then boom, somebody breaks the ice, going, "You still can't fuck me," or whatever. Right, right, right. It right. is like I love that shit. Mm -hmm. He, he's it. These are little, they're like French art films, mm -hmm. uh, but done in English. Um, 
and they're they're just brilliant and they they show what comedy's capable of. Mm-hmm. Comedy is capable of not having you laugh every five seconds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and you know the world of comedy is big enough to include both Louis mm-hmm. and Modern Family, mm-hmm. which is a well structured uh, set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. Even though Modern Family then interweaves all their all their uh, characters and stories so that you always have a great metaphorical, metaphorical relationship going in, okay. in which in which two characters are acting as though they were something else and you sure. s- and you can see the parallels mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. so both those things are can exist as comedy so uh, you know a part of what i try to do is expand people's and i've been trying to do this ever since i had my theater company which is expand people's definition of what a comedy can be, mm-hmm. what a comedy can do, what a successful comedy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did the theater company, people once you know often accuse us of doing non-funny comedies, unfunny comedies, which <laughs> were not that successful. That was part of the experiment, right? Yeah, 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 no, those were the failed experiments. <clears throat> but uh, but you know, I, I think I think more and more we're you know we're entering a world in which, in which, especially with cable shows, uh, you know, prime, t- you know, uh, HBO, Showtime, uh, FX, uh, you know, they're they're these mixtures of genre mm-hmm. that where comedy, mm-hmm. a comic point of view, a comic perspective, plays a large part mm-hmm. is very important. I mean, Fargo, another one of my oh, favorite yeah. shows, mm-hmm. TV shows this season. It, what is it if it's not a comedy? Mm-hmm. It's a scary comedy, mm-hmm. but a comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question about, um, I was curious to this about, from your point of view, of why do you think fans, I don't know if it's a younger crowd, now, but it seems like almost every group or age that I ask has seen like the, the Jackass movies and stuff like that. Like, Why do you think those type of movies resonate? I, I blame school teachers. <laughs> I blame I blame the education system here in America. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, are forty five year old men going to see Jackass? I mean, I have asked some guys my age ish. I've seen you're not forty five. I'm be forty four. You are a young man. Get out of here. You still have milk on your breath. I still got a couple months. Exactly. Exactly. I. You know, I, having never seen a jackass, but having seen a couple of trailers for Bad Grandpa, okay. they're funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know that I wanted to. I would want to donate two hours to that. But the 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 thing with jackass <laughs> is that it's execution dependent. In other words, yes. you've got to make every. Every two-minute segment, every five-minute segment, as funny as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why is it, why does it exist? Mm-hmm. Which is that's tough work. If you look at other genres that are execution-dependent, like um, Scary Movie two, three, four, and five, mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Um, you know all those parody movies; those are execution-dependent movies, meaning sure. they only exist for how funny they are. Okay. And once they stop being funny, they're Unbearable. Mm. I mean, I, I I I watched Scary Movie Four on on cable, and and it was free, and I wanted to complain <laughs> to the management. <laughs> How dare you? But it was free. <laughs> uh, you know, it, and, and and you know, Airplane is brilliant, um, but Scary Movie Four is not. Mm-hmm. 
So, so I, I would say, having not seen Jackass, I have to give it the benefit of the doubt, that these are funny guys mm-hmm. who, when, when we were kids, or, or in our 20s, or, or you know, brain-addled 30s or 40s, <laughs> we would do stupid stuff <laughs> and laugh about it. And mm-hmm. they're just sharing that, mm-hmm. given technology and, and the uh, ability to take, you know, record almost anything. They're just sharing that with with a wider world. I mean, there used to be uh, a group called the Jerky Boys, mm-hmm. and the Jerky ah, Boys yeah. remember them? They they had taped, <clears throat> taped phony phone home. calls. You've heard those? Oh, yeah. Now remember when we were kids, we did phony phone calls. Our phony phone calls were just basically, do you have uh, you know something in a can? Right. And, you know, is your refrigerator running? running? You better right, go get exactly. It. <laughs> uh, but the Jerky Boys, they would take it to oh, you know God, to a strange. great extent. And they were funny, but would I want? I think they actually tried to make a movie out of one of them, but uh, not successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard to do something where you don't have narrative to carry you along. If you look at the jokes per per second of a piece like Louis Mm -hmm. or like a a film like Five Hundred Days of Summer, you don't you don't have the the same equation that you have to fulfill for. For scary movie four mm-hmm. or, or or airplane seventeen. Let mm-hmm. me ask you a question. Um, get into the book. There you have. By the way, where could you get this book? <laughs> <laughs> just just thought I'd, I. I'm wondering. I personally bought my book at some French bookstore. Yes, I like to support the real bookstore. I either get it there or go to a writer's store. You know right. what I mean? I got mine on Kindle from Amazon, okay. even though I know the controversies and the stuff with <laughs> Haché and all that stuff too. No, I love when you get it on Kindle but because I, I rise up in the Kindle. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. It's just like when people give us a five-star review. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, the yes. Matrix. The Matrix. So I got, yes, yes, I got it on Kindle and I love it. I'm so glad you finally <laughs> wrote the book. <laughs> so people can have it and, and study it and have that or stuff in there. Or you can get it on the website, which is www.kaplancomedy.com. Kaplan Comedy, all one word. Kaplan with a K, comedy with a C, because we're not silly. <laughs> people said, aren't you going to put comedy with a K? But I'm not that kind of a comic. <laughs> um, but I wanted, I wanted okay. to get into, uh, and we'll, 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 we'll let you plug the book at the end. Um, oh, I would more, never plug a book that, that's too commercial. <laughs> well, we would never plug the hidden tools to comedy. The um, serious business of being funny, people. Get it so now. Trip, here's my thing. One of my favorite moments in the book is when you go through the whole thing of the classic Abbott and Costello. Now, what I love about it is, <clears throat> it's funny because I'd never seen it written like in a script form before. You've only heard it or you've seen it on TV. So you think you memorize who was the third, fourth, who's on, you know, first base. But you think you know the rhythm of it. And I saw it on paper and I was like, oh, that's what they were saying, right? <laughs> so that was, the, it just interests me to like want to read it. But then you started going, okay, here's what's written. What if they wrote it like this? Mm. And what if they wrote it like this? You see how there's no jokes in it this way? Imagine it this way. There's a reason. Hear the rhythm? It was just beautifully done and maybe it was beautifully done for me because I could it's something I could relate to because I remember just being a kid like one of the first things I remember that I memorized you know what I mean so for me I wanted to talk about how you broke that down well you know I, I you know I, I started writing the book a long time ago mm-hmm. and I, I found that um, 
I, I don't know about, about you guys, but I have the rat in the head. You know, the rat in the head that says, this is no good. This isn't good enough. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I found that sitting down and just typing at, at, a, at a computer or a laptop, I, I couldn't get out of my own head, mm-hmm. which, is, which is why everybody knows this or who wants to know this or mm-hmm. this is, doesn't make any sense. And so what I had to do was I was doing these workshops and they were very successful. People were sure. people were enjoying themselves at the workshop. You changed laughing. people's lives. Yeah. I changed people's lives. I turned I turned gay people straight and straight people gay. <laughs> Magic. I, and then He's back a sorcerer. And then, and then back, back again. And then back again. <laughs> I changed their life. Um, I, I, I I just started to methodically record everything I did. Oh, okay. And then there was this really nice woman who lived in Arkansas mm-hmm. who I would, sh- I, would, I would digitally send these files to her in Arkansas and she would transcribe them and send them back to me. And then I, and then I was able to... Then you can go and edit your I was comments. able to edit I because I, I, that's what I am. I'm an editor. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer myself. I come mm-hmm. at it as a director. Uh, and so I found it much easier to... How do I, how did I do it? I I edited it as though somebody else had written it, mm-hmm. and I was able to. Uh, then I was able get to out of your stuff. own way. Mm-hmm. I got out of my own way, mm-hmm. and then uh, the funny stuff that that I said off the top of my head that I wasn't planning that went in the book, mm-hmm. and then funny things that I was thinking of or or other insights that were hap- that occurred to me as I was typing that went in the book. So the because, book became a very rich mm-hmm. uh, because I can hear you talking. You know, whatever chapter that I read, I could hear you talking to us. Because it was me talking. You know what I mean? There was a lot of, you know, your little jokes in the midst of explaining something. And then you go like, ha You know what I mean? There would be some little stab or some little. In, in fact, in fact, um, uh, my uh, friends and, and my wife who helped proofread it for me, they made me take out all the you knows. Uh. All, the, all the so. Because I was putting in everything. <laughs> so, so there. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you hear the voice because that's my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it's clear from the opening. You know, I think you the the first paragraph you say something, the very next line is a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go like right into it. Mm-hmm. You know, like and it's throughout the entire thing. Um, there's a couple of things in our book I wanted to ask you to to. I mean, people can definitely. Get the book, guys. But I wanted you to talk or about they it a could, they bit. could email me <clears throat> themselves at, at steve at kaplancomedy.com. All right. I want to ask you about um, a couple, three different things. The psychological defense mechanism, um, something relatable, and bad karma. If you could just give us a little gist on what those mean. A uh, psychological defense mechanism is is all the cracks you see in people's speech and demeanor and behavior mm-hmm. that reveal who they are. Okay. I mean, you know, bad writing um, or, or uh, writing that's just on the surface basically has characters say what they mean, mm-hmm. do what they want, and then get on with it. But, but really good comic writing and good writing in general uh, reveals who characters are and what they want in ways in which they're not responsible. Okay. So that, so that uh, when... You know, if a character is um, reacting to something and it's a defense mechanism, you know, that's where you'll see the, uh, that well, you know, the, the change of, of topic mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and if you... Body language. Body language, um, 
when when people get defensive about something or, or there's a non sequitur. Mm -hmm. And the the more that you observe other people, you know, they said that writers writers are simply you know vampires who prey on the lives of other people. <laughs> I gotta write. They suck out the, the life source of other people. <laughs> That's uh, funny. And, and the more that you can observe other people and observe yourself, because more good writing has happened by stealing from your own life than anything else. Okay. Mm -hmm. one, one of the one of the best uh, moments in Groundhog Day uh, is. Uh, is this moment near the middle of the movie when he's finally revealed to Andy McDowell, to Rita, the producer, what's happening to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's convinced her to stay past midnight um, because he knows the change doesn't happen until 6 a.m. And he's reading French poetry to her because he's been there in the town so long he's learned how to read French and mm -hmm. read French poetry. Mm -hmm. Playing a piano, do all kinds yeah. of fun mm -hmm. stuff. And, uh, and he, she's sleeping, and while she's asleep, he's starting to tell her everything that's in his heart. Hmm. And that comes out of a conversation that Bill Murray had with Harold Ramis in which he described uh, his wedding night. He got married to this woman um, and uh, they got to where they were going for their honeymoon and, and she was so tired that she just went to sleep. And there, because Bill Murray's this, you know, guy who doesn't have his heart on his sleeve, hard, hard scrabble guy from Chicago, Illinois, and he just was pouring his heart out to her while she's asleep, mm -hmm. saying everything to her that he couldn't say to her face while mm -hmm. she was awake. They just put that right in the movie. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Murray would simply ask Harold Ramis, am I good Phil or bad Phil? Mm -hmm. And so based on if he's good Phil, he would act in a certain way, and he would mm -hmm. ad-lib certain things. If he was bad Phil, he would act in another certain way and ad-lib other things. Okay. So it, it's about personalization it's about sharing who you are and what you have and what you see from your own life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's psychological uh, self. Uh, you know, every episode of Everybody Loves Raymond mm -hmm. is full of that. Okay. Because okay. the writers in that writer's room uh, would famously get together on Monday. Mm -hmm. And Phil Rosenthal, who was the showrunner, would ask him, so what happened this weekend? Mm -hmm. And they would start talking about all the weird, funny, stupid, terrible, horrible things that happened to them and their families in the weekend. And the writer's assistant would be there. And by the end of an hour, they would have the germs of five episodes. Wow. Yeah. Just from hey, I mean, that's what I always tell everybody. You mm -hmm. go in the writer's room and you're not even starting to write for two hours. You guys are just right. all talking about stuff. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. funny. Mm -hmm. um, the Bad Karma. What's that one? I'm not sure. Uh, bad karma. No, yeah, it's uh, you have a, you have some things bullet pointed in one of your segments, and you talk about different things in there. One of them was the psychological something relatable. Bad karma. It was like one of these things in there that um, I saw. I'm not sure. I, I if you find it in the book, I'll, I'll I'm, okay. I'm not seeing see. the. Uh, uh, Ask him. You had a question for him in, in yours or somewhere. Yeah. Um, you could probably find it in your Kindle. You could search for bad karma. No, this is his punishment for him. Okay. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, you're, you're answering so many of the questions I had, but... I'm a Libra. <laughs> My favorite color is blue. What's your favorite color? I um, like long walks on the beach if I'm not well, walking. Well, you're kind of you're giving me the hints of what I wanted to, to ask you um, uh, earlier that you kind of answered anyway in terms of like for writers who are, who are, who are starting out to write comedic scripts what are the best scripts to be reading and I know for one Groundhog Day 
but but you know, but what, what's really instructive is if you read Groundhog Day, if you go online and Google Groundhog Day, what you'll what will come up will be, um, uh, will be um, a <clears throat> rewrite, a revision, the second revision, and if you read that second revision, you'll notice that it's full, chock full of bad jokes. Mm. So it's very instructive uh, to read that and then see the final film, the finished film, because what they've done, genius, they've taken out all the bad jokes. Oh, really? And they've just let the story... Let the story tell there's a, there, Enough jokes were left, but they took out the bad jokes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're... So this is uh, what you're asking me, psychological defense mechanism, bad karma. Mm. What that was is, in my workshops, I will ask people mm. what's common okay you know and these are some of the answers they give me comedy is a psychological defense mechanism mm. it's bad karma if bad things happen to you if you slip on oh, banana okay. peel okay. so all these things are okay. simply the answers the general answers to the question what's comedy and i ask it because the point is that no matter how good the answer is nine times out of ten 99 times out of 100 they're not usable or practical mm -hmm. i mean there you are you're sitting mm -hmm. you're working on your on your outline mm -hmm. you're getting notes from the producers and the producer says put some bad karma in it I mean, <laughs> oh that's gonna help that's that's really gonna help me uh figure out my second act yeah, it goes around comes around put, put a little bit of that in there so so one of the things that um that in this section of the book, so what's comedy is i was just pointing out that all those answers are right and they're also not helpful mm. Because you know, to just say comedy is about some you know, about silly stuff, well, silly stuff doesn't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that the the most important thing, if you're writing a feature, the most important thing to come up with is a great comic premise, a what we call the lie that tells the truth, something that is an improbable or impossible thing that could never happen, mm -hmm. but since it does happen what would happen then mm -hmm. and what you do is you figure is you put comic characters into that situation and then just follow them that's what bill prady who is the writer of the big bang theory says he mm -hmm. doesn't come up he doesn't outline as much as just he comes up with a situation and he knows his character so well and he just follows them what mm -hmm. would they do mm -hmm. what would they do and one of the brilliant things about the big bang theory i mean whether you watch it or not or, sure. or like it or not is the fact that uh, even though these are archetypical characters, they've all grown. Mm -hmm. In the first episode, in the first season, the Indian guy mm -hmm. couldn't even talk to a girl. Now they all have girlfriends. And some of them have had sex. And mm -hmm. even, even uh, Sheldon mm -hmm. has had Go a kiss. Sheldon. Go Sheldon. So, <laughs> so, so that's, I mean, so, so to me, that's the most important thing. And where can you come up with comic characters? Well, uh, there's a couple of books that are out there. There's uh, Scott Sedita's The Eight Characters of Comedy. But mm. all of those books are stealing from the Commedia dell'arte, which okay. is this, arc, this theater form from the Renaissance mm -hmm. in which archetypical characters were put into scenarios. And then the scenarios were acted by actors with no script, no writer, no director, simply actors. Right? Sim all, uh, all improvised, mm -hmm. simply characters 
in a situation and to see what you know, see what they want, the see what the they si- went, the see what they want to do. Yeah. Pretty much, okay. you know. Um, so I mean, you have these archetypical characters, you know, the lecherous, uh, the lecherous old man, the wily, clever, tricky servants, mm-hmm. dim young lovers. <clears throat> these characters have been around with us forever. Uh, I do a, uh, a, a an exercise in, in my workshop, and I. Uh, on comic premise Mm -hmm. and I ask groups I put people together in groups and I have them come up with their own comic premise Um, you know like a man has to live the same day over and over again and one group came up with a this this comic premise their premise was a college football team discovers that they can that the only time that they can win is when they get the nerd laid (laughs) <laughs> now, why? Now, is that a movie you want to see? I don't know. Is that a movie you want to write? I don't In the know. 80s, but, I but, but, here, but here's the thing. <laughs> but it's a good. It's premise. already made Hilliard laugh, yeah. which means one thing is happening. It's already starting to happen yes. in his head. I'm, I can visualize it. A great yes. comic premise is something that that fires your imagination. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask, what scenes do you see in the movie? And they'll say, well, it's the losing montage and the mm-hmm. winning montage, and it's them tr- tr- trying to teach. The uh, the nerd to uh, to pick up a girl, mm-hmm. and they don't say what characters are in this movie, and they'll go well the nerd, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the head of the football team. I say mm-hmm. what 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 uh, position quarterback? Mm-hmm. Who are his friends? Well, a big lineman, and mm-hmm. and uh, then there'll be some like uh, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Who else is in the movie? Well, a, a coach, and who else is in the movie? Well, a girl. Who the who should the girl be? A cheerleader. Who, and they'll say it's almost working backwards. Right, they, they'll right. say who, who's the uh, who's the cheerleader related to? Because in comedy, comedy's a closed universe. Mm-hmm. The Commedia dell'arte only had eight or ten or twelve actors to to tell every story in the world. Mm. Uh, so that if uh, if the old man wandering the streets in Act One always turned out to be the uncle or the father of the orphans in Act Five, We're all interconnected. so it's an interconnected. Mm-hmm. It's a closed universe. Mm-hmm. So who's the uh, cheerleader related to? She's the coach's daughter. And then I'll say, who's the movie? About? What's the movie about? Some people say the movie's about the nerd. Mm-hmm. Oh. Then I'll say, well, maybe the movie's about the quarterback. Hmm. Because who's got the real problem? The mm-hmm. nerd is just a nerd. But maybe in order to win the big game, the nerd has to go to sleep with the cheerleader mm. who the quarterback really likes. And now mm. you have a real decision point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Will you do something to, for the team to win the game or will you, or, or, and lose the girl of your dreams? Mm-hmm. Real decision points are great for comedies because rather than stacking the deck against the bad guy, the bad boyfriend, make it a real decision point so that not only the characters, but you could go either way. That's the brilliance of Sleepless in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bill Pullman is a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's a great boyfriend, but he's not the guy. Mm -hmm. And that's a real decision point. Mm -hmm. So then I'll go, I'll say, okay, so you have the nerd, the quarterback, the lineman, the uh, wide receiver, the coach, the cheerleader. Nerd, Steve Carell. Quarterback, Paul Rudd. Lineman, Seth Rogen. Um, uh, wide receiver, Romney Malco. Mm-hmm. Coach, Jane Lynch. Girl, Ka- young Catherine Keener. You mm-hmm. just give me the cast mm-hmm. of 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a reason yeah. why these rela- mm-hmm. these characters in yeah. these right. relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. appear and reappear and over reappear and because mm-hmm. it's the relations. It's not just silly characters. It's silly characters in relationships. And, there's, and they work because you don't need 15 
you know, we, you know, Seth Rogen's. Mm-hmm. So you 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 take these not stereotypical but archetypical characters, you put them in the scenario, and you just you like rats, you let them run the maze and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Yeah, it but is. On that note. Thank you so much for being well, with us, you. Steve. That was a, this was a great... I know. It's like, oh, yes. I can, I've got to have you come back again because it's just yeah, so, much, le- so oh, much learning. So much learning. It's like, like I was writing things down like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to write that down. And, and, look that up. and goldfish crackers. You <laughs> well, let's, let's tell everybody uh, where can they find you at. and um, They can find me on the, the web bookings. at uh, mm-hmm. We're uh, We're having a, a live... Uh, comedy intensive workshop, two day oh, workshop cool. in September, September twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Get 28th. your money ready, yes, people. Get uh, your money at ready. The, uh, Burbank Airport Marriott. Oh, nice. Burbank. Um, you can find us uh, at uh, Twitter at SK Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook is Kaplan. You know, Kaplan Comedy, and you can get the book either at Amazon or mm-hmm. in a bookstore. Uh, are there any bookstores left? I guess there. I mean, I like I said, I always go to the writer's store or Samuel French. You know what I mean. So it's still there. Or or on our website, mm-hmm. and you can even get in touch with me. Uh, I answer all emails. He not, does. Not promptly. <laughs> not promptly. <laughs> but You're pretty good with me. So I'll completely. Steve at KaplanComedy.com. Nice. Well, thank yes. you so much, man. Thank you. I had a great fun. time. So it was an learning. honor for us to have you no, here. It, the yes. honor and the pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you. Where, where's our theme song? Don't <laughs> in a minute. I'm going to play it again. I'll play it again. Definitely, definitely. Um, Lisa, Lisa Cold Jam, where are you at? I'm on Twitter. Please don't follow me. <laughs> you got to tell them why, man. No, because... Okay, so Steve, you know there's I'm this gonna app. I'm going to stalk you No, now. no, no. There's this app, you know, that you can have on there that tells you when people unfollow you because my feelings get hurt when people follow me and then they're like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. And then they unfollow me. And it's like... She's one of those people on Twitter who isn't afraid to say what she needs I to say. I say what I need to say. And I talk about so many different topics and stuff. And so my feelings always get a little bit hurt. I mean, honestly, I don't care. But it's like, I always feel bad for them because I'm like, you should have known. But mm-hmm. what's your at sign? Oh, it's, it's, it's just my name, at Lisa Bolacaja, because I don't have to use... Lisa Bolacaja? How do you spell that? B-O-L-E-K-A-J-A. <laughs> but <There> yes! <laughs> okay, listen, as y'all said, Steve did a little shake. Okay, like, yes, there I am. <laughs> just know, I talk about all kinds of stuff, and it's just people always, like, that go on my horror stuff, mm-hmm. or I'm doing something. You know, I, I'm very, I'm a well-rounded, very... You, you are. Know, I'm into everything. You okay. are. So people just get like, oh what, my what? God, she's talking about There's, there's an app to uh, find there's out There's a people. tell you that will let you know when people have unfollowed you. <laughs> I don't... I, so I, that I when you follow, because true. there's nothing worse than when I follow somebody and then I find out they've unfollowed me, well, I'm going <laughs> to unfollow you back. <laughs> I, I don't, that is hilarious. It's, I don't think I could take that. It's, I know. It's like, I really should just like let it go. <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. Why do you, you hate turn, me? You That's turn funny. back into a 10-year-old like... They didn't pick me for the kickboxing. I'm going to unfollow you and unfriend you everywhere. So damn. But yes, I'm on Twitter. All right. And again, <laughs> I am your host, Hilliard Guest. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everybody else's cousin. Um, thank you again, Steve. You're welcome. Lisa. Yes. This was a great show. So um, much info. We'll be out probably in like a week or two. Great. I'll let you know. Um, thank you again, everybody. And uh, don't forget, check us out on ScreenwritersRR um, on Twitter. Um, if you guys have any questions for us, ScreenwritersRR 
rantroom at gmail.com. All right? So with that, keep it street, keep it opinionated, and keep it what? 100. 100. Wow, you see that? We even got Steve to do it with us. And harmony. (laughs) Peace, (laughs) y'all. Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rare room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it and anybody can get it No limit, we get to kill it, you tuning into the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping, no. any topic, even the random I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rare room, room. Ah.